penultimate Sunday of Epiphany. So next Sunday will be the last Sunday. And then after that, uh, we will have Shrove Tuesday, uh, the last day of Epiphany, and then Ash Wednesday, the first day of Lent. So we are getting close now to that uh, time. It's a time for us to start to think about uh, the transition. establishment of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God has perfect justice, and that perfect justice is established through uh, the sword and the arrow, which is the words uh, that the Messiah speaks. And so we know that, that his words are uh, that sharp sword that divides uh, you know, flesh from bone, that uh, divides uh, good from evil, and that uh, reads exactly uh, the purposes of the heart and the purposes of the mind and the actions of those that he has come to to save, to bring onto the right side of justice. And so we know that the purpose of the Messiah is at the beginning, that his uh, purpose is a military one, it's to execute justice, it's to establish it. And then we read here, uh, which is very important uh, here in in Isaiah, uh, just in case you were thinking that it's a new thing, uh, that the Lord go to um, all of the world, uh, he explains it here. 800 years before Jesus, uh, everybody apparently was missing it. I don't know. Uh, How was it that they were kept in the dark, right? Uh, He says, uh, I will make you as a light for the nations. Oh, the nations means the Gentiles. That's the meaning of the nations. That's what the Israelites called uh, the Gentiles, the nations. So he is a light for the nations. So key to his purpose, key to the purpose of the coming of the Messiah is to bring the good news of the kingdom to the nations and that his salvation will reach to the end of the earth. So his, his purpose is to bring back the nations, to bring back the Gentiles, all of the nations of the earth, into his salvation. 
And we know salvation means dwelling with God. We know that his desire is that uh, we would dwell with him, that the purpose of uh, Genesis, the purpose of the creation is not lost, that, that what God is doing, his mission, is always creation. He's always creating. If he's not creating, he's recreating. He's remaking us. He's reforming us through the power of his spirit to be the people that he wants us to be. And that's what we mean by salvation. It's a fancy church word for saying he is remaking us. He's bringing us back into that original purpose of dwelling with us in paradise. That purpose was never lost. It was not frustrated. He is constantly working to bring us back to dwelling in paradise with him. And then we see Jesus perfectly fulfilling what it is that the prophet Isaiah proclaimed 800 years before his birth. Uh, We read that he comes and he fulfills this purpose. And we read that he does it in three uh, basic ways, right? We read that he uh, teaches. He teaches. He proclaims the coming of the kingdom and that he heals. And once again, all of these things are recreation. Teaching is to show us that dividing line, to show us that plumb line, to show us that justice and that righteousness. He's saying, here's justice and here's injustice. Do you see it? Here's justice and here's injustice. And part of that teaching is for us, um, whenever we're taught to be convicted, right? Good teaching always convicts. The teacher is able to show, here's the way that you have been doing it that isn't working, Here's a way that will work. Here's the way that doesn't work. Here's the way that works. And for us to be able to be taught and to learn, we have to say, oh, the way I was doing it didn't work. I've got to learn this new way. And so this is what he's doing in his teaching. It's very similar to what he's doing in proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. Uh, Proclaiming the kingdom is is describing for us what this paradise looks like, right? That's the kingdom of heaven. Uh, To be in that kingdom with God, it's to be in that right relationship with him. To know that we are the subjects and that he is the eternal king. We're the subjects and he's the king. We have to keep reminding ourselves about that because sometimes we start to get confused and think, maybe I'm the king, right? Maybe this is all up to me. Maybe the way I think controls the world, right? We're like children with their magical thinking. If I think a certain way, things will happen. Maybe all this is because of me, right? Maybe if I do things, the world will change, right? Rather than saying, I'm the subject and he's the king and I'm going to follow what it is that that he is telling me to do. I'm going to live in that paradise and right relationship with him. And that healing, again, is part of that creation as well. He's constantly healing. He's constantly bringing us out of sickness and bringing us into health because that's his purpose for us. His purpose for us is to be in health with him. That's what he's wanting to do is to bring us into into perfect health and harmony with him. And we know that the essential aspect of that healing always is repentance. Repentance is always the basis for perfect healing in God. We're always wanting to be uh, repenting and saying, how is it that the Lord is wanting me to live? How is it that he's wanting me to, to think and feel, right? Because these bodies are going away, right? These bodies are going away. So that healing isn't just about these physical bodies, but it's about a, a spiritual healing that brings us into eternal life. And that's the healing that comes through repentance. And that's the, the purpose of this, of this compassion that he has. Isn't that interesting that he has compassion for us? It's ridiculous, isn't it? Do we deserve that? doesn't seem like it. We're not too keen on showing compassion ourselves, are we? 
Hmm? We like to point out and say, boy, are those people messing up. Boy, are they getting what they deserve. Right? That's what our, where our thoughts and minds come. Or am I the only one? Huh? No? I'm not the only one? Huh? It's hard work showing compassion. It's hard work. Compassion is not empathy or sympathy. Empathy is I feel your pain. I feel what you feel. That's going to wear us out. He didn't feel the confusion. He didn't empathize with the confusion of the sheep. He had compassion. He said, I want better for you. I want what's good for you. That's what compassion is. Compassion is to say, you're lost and confused. I want you to be whole and sound because of my love for you. And so that's the compassion that he shows. And he says, they're like sheep without a shepherd. And sometimes the church starts to think, oh, we're going to be the shepherds. Well, we can help, right? But there's only one shepherd, right? Only one shepherd of the sheep. Only one king. He's the shepherd of the sheep. They're lost because they're not following him. And that's where our testimony comes in. Because we can say, boy, was I lost until I found my king. Until I found my shepherd. And though I'm not perfect, and though I'm making mistakes, and though I don't deserve it, he is teaching me, and he's healing me, and he's restoring me, and he wants to dwell in paradise with me. He loves me. And he's the king. He's the shepherd. Follow him. That's the testimony that the apostles give. That's the testimony that they begin to learn even here in the Acts of the Apostles. I love these first couple of verses from the Acts of the Apostles, right? Because some people think it's enough to know who God is, right? Well, that's disproven in the Gospels, right? The devil knows who Jesus is. Is it helping him? Not a bit. The demons give the most perfect proclamation of his divinity of anybody. Does that help them? Not a bit. Some people say, oh, you've got to know him and walk with him. The apostles had known him, eaten with him, spent three years with him, and here, after he's resurrected from the dead, they still aren't getting the full picture. Right? That's fantastically comforting for me. I don't know about you. Right? That they can be that dense and still be useful to the kingdom of God. It's like, maybe he can use me too. Right? Isn't that wonderful? Even the dense get to participate. Right? People say, oh, maybe, do you know the Lord? Have you walked with Him? They could say yes to all that. Still completely clueless about what it was that God was intending to accomplish. They hadn't read Isaiah. He's taking the gospel of the kingdom of God to all the nations, to the whole earth. They're still thinking, so when are we going to get a king for Israel and kick out the Romans and establish a good political system? Right? It's like us. Right? We get so fixated in politics and think that politicians are going to fix everything. Talk about dents, right? <laughs> right? Only the king, only the shepherd can heal us or bring us into any kind of right relationship. And he spends 40 days walking and talking with him. That's an accident, I'm sure. 40, right? So that just happenstance? It happened to be 40? No? Do you think it has anything to do with the 40 days of the flood? The 40 years in the wilderness? The 40 years in temptation? 
Is there any wonder why it is that the church has dedicated itself for thousands of years to 40 days to prepare ourselves for the resurrection? 40 is important. 40 is healing. It's restoring. It's baptism. It's washing. It's rejuvenating. It's bringing us back into focus with God. That's why we count 40 days. That's why we remember those days in the scriptures. That's why we remember the ascension and we count those 10 days from the ascension to Pentecost. That's why we wait upon God. Because compassion isn't enough unless we're waiting upon the Lord to heal. Because sometimes we get compassion and then we think, well, I'll just go ahead and fix a few things while I'm waiting. No. Wait. I've got compassion. Let me get out there and, and do something about it. Wait. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Holy Spirit. Wait until it's perfectly clear. Wait until the whole church gathers together and says, yeah, that's what we're supposed to be doing. Wait upon the Lord. Isn't it strange in Isaiah how the Lord says, boy, are things a mess? Did you notice that verse? I've been thinking about this verse all week. On page one here, towards the end of the page. This is the Messiah, right? This is the mission of the Messiah. I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing and vanity. What a thing to say. What a thing for the Messiah to say. It's like that grief that he experiences in the garden. It's like the sorrow and the crying that he has for Lazarus. It's like the weeping that we're supposed to be doing over our sins and the sins of others. This is the humility of the Messiah, the humility of him coming and saying, the world is broken, my creation has been cast down, it's been messed up, all of the beauty that I have made has been fallen and broken in ashes. And then does he go to despair or hopelessness? No, he says, my help is in the Lord. Yet surely my right is with the Lord and my recompense with my God. We're a mess and we're in a mess. And our recompense is with God. May we wait upon him with compassion these days and forevermore. Amen.